0: Dear brother, you ask what is the difference between spagyric and spiritual alchemy? It is a complex subject, as you know, but I'll do my best to answer your question. With regards to the word alchemy, it is medieval Latin, deriving from the Arabic word alchemia, which some sources, such as the Oxford Classical Dictionary, believe is borrowed from the Greek word chemia, meaning black land, referring to the fertile lands of Egypt. It is believed that the word chemia derives from the Egyptian word chem, which in Coptic reads kem, the black land. There is a long tradition of alchemy arising in Egypt. Indeed, it has long been considered to be the secret art of Egypt, the invention of which is generally attributed to the god Hermes. The city of Alexandria is thought by many to be the earliest known centre of alchemy. Although Athens, through Plato and Aristotle, is also a contender for that title. Other traditions give different origins, such as China and India, all of which may be true. After all, alchemy has been veiled in secrecy for as long as any can tell. From the earliest times, knowledge of alchemy, its techniques, methods, formulas and processes were restricted and maintained under the strictest secrecy, with any publication being veiled in allegory And symbolism. However, modern thought describes alchemy as growing out of three activities, technology, theory and occult religion. By technology is implied glass colouring, metalwork such as gold and silver, copper etc, decorating and colouring stone in jewellery, that sort of thing. By theory is suggested cosmology, the four elements and nature, but more of that later. Occult religion implies the synthesizing of many systems of knowledge into a system of spirituality. Generally speaking, today the alchemical art is distinguished from chemistry and the sciences by its combining mystical and magical elements with technology. But that's a modern view, a modern view of things seen from a secular perspective. The simple truth is, alchemy is the root of chemistry and many of the sciences we know today. Indeed. Rather than being considered a science, alchemy has been referred to as a sacred art, and it is the mystery of this sacred art that continues to attract so many to alchemy and the main thrust of this discussion. In the Western tradition, alchemical theory rests heavily upon the teachings of Plato and Aristotle, who discuss, among other things, form, matter and the elements, concerning which, Plato describes in his book Timaeus, the creation of the cosmos by the demiurge, a word deriving from the Greek demiurgos, meaning artisan or creator. He describes how spiritual archetypes or forms are expressed in the world through a system of interlocking structures in matter, by which I mean the platonic solids. Concerning matter, Aristotle taught that the cosmos consisted of a primitive matter, the prima materia, which has only the potential for existence until impressed with a form. The form was not only a geometric structure, but also the total inner organization of a thing, the sum of its qualities and properties. With regards to the elements, the form turned matter into the four elements through a variation of qualities arising from heat, cold, fluidity and dryness, each element having two of these qualities. Thus four possible sets of combinations arise, hot and dry to fire, hot and fluid to air, cold and fluid to water, and cold and dry to earth. In every element a single quality dominated, dryness in earth, coldness in water, fluidity in air, and heat in fire. In the 4th century BC there emerged a movement known as Stoicism, a school of philosophy that was founded by a Greek philosopher called Zeno. A major contribution of Stoicism was the concept of the pneuma, meaning breath, or air. The concept of pneuma has a long history before the emergence of Stoicism. For example, Anaximenes of Miletus, who lived in the 6th century BC, maintained that the cosmos was sustained by the divine air, or pneuma, which it breathed. He thought that this pneuma, when rarefied, became fire. With the notion of the universe evolving out of air by condensation and rarefaction, he declared, and I quote, As a soul being air holds us together, so do we breathe and the air surrounds the whole universe, end quote. For the Stoics, Numa was air and fire, the active element or force of cold and heat. They later added the qualities of dry and moist, that is, earth and water, in order to distinguish between the pneuma or soul of animals and the pneuma or soul of plants, the animal pneuma being dry and warm and the plant pneuma being moist and cold. As the pneuma entered into matter, it pervaded the whole universe with a series of interrelated archetypes or forms. A matter was considered to be shapeless and inert All of its features were considered in Stoic terms to be the properties of the pneuma, or, in Platonic terms, the form. Thus being, rather than substance, took centre stage. The separation and transmutation of which is central to alchemy, in which there are many disciplines and traditions. One of these disciplines is spagyric alchemy. What then is spagyric alchemy, and what does it mean? Before we can answer that, Let us look at the word spagyric. The word first appeared in the 16th century and derives from the Latin spagyricus, which is believed to have been first used by Paracelsus. Today it has come to mean herbal medicine produced by alchemical procedures, which involves the distillation, fermentation and extraction of components from the plant. These may be single remedies taken from one plant or complex remedies taken from several. The word spagiria contains two hidden words, spaios, which means to draw out, divide, separate, and agirio, which means to gather, draw, or bind. We may infer then that the word spagiric means to draw out that which is bound. What is it that is drawn out, and from what is it drawn? In Aristotle's terms, it is the form that is drawn out and it is drawn out from matter. This raises the question, what do we mean by the terms form and matter? Today modern scientific thought defines matter as anything that has mass and takes up space. It is also described as being composed of atoms, which are themselves composed of protons, neutrons, quarks, etc. Arguably, we have not really moved on since the time of the Greeks. The truth is matter is essentially indescribable because all descriptions apply to form. The alchemists of old spoke of three distinct components applying to form philosophical salt, mercury and sulphur. These terms are analogues of spiritual forces which are, from a Stoic perspective, three modes of one invisible entity, the pneuma. To matter they applied the four elements fire, air, water and earth. With regards to the components of form we should begin with looking at the three philosophical principles of sulfur, mercury and salt which represent the soul, spirit and body. Sulfur equates with the essential oil of a plant, a unique identity, hence the term soul. Mercury equates with ethyl alcohol, common to all plant life, thus the term spirit. Salt equates with the salts derived from plant matter hence the term body. Much of spagyric alchemy is taken up with extracting these three components from plants. With regards to the components of substance, we would be wise to examine the four elements, which are fire, air, water and earth. In Aristotle's terms, they are modes of form or being, which you may recall is not only the geometric structure, but also the total inner organisation of a thing the sum of its qualities and properties that give its unique identity. Fire is hot and dry and choleric. To it is ascribed yellow bile, the season of summer, the nervous system and the salamanders. Air is hot and moist and sanguine. To it is ascribed the blood, the seasons of spring, the lungs and the sylphs. Water is cold and moist and phlegmatic. To it is described phlegm the season of winter, the blood and lymph, and the undines. Earth is dry and cold and melancholic. To it is ascribed black bile, the season of autumn, the bones and flesh, and the gnomes. To this list, more could be added. However, separating form from matter has fascinated alchemists for centuries, and has taken many different names and descriptions. So let's take a moment to think about it. How does one distinguish form from matter? Consider chocolate, for example. There are many different kinds of chocolate, but how do you recognise a primary substance? Is it the cocoa plant, the bean, the powder, the paste? What constitutes the primary matter? It is a difficult question to answer, because whichever way you look at it, chocolate is simply a form in itself. In the 6th century, Simplicios a Neoplatonist states Matter is always truly the last sediment, an indescribable bottom line, hence also the Egyptians call it the dregs of the first life, which they symbolically denominate water, matter being, as it were, a certain mire. As I said earlier, modern scientific thought defines matter as anything that has mass and takes up space. It's a tidy definition, but not really any advance on the thinking of the Neoplatonists. And by the way of an opinion, I contend that it is a reservoir of stored energy that is used by the soul and the spirit to engage with life. As I said earlier, separating form from matter has fascinated alchemists for centuries and has taken many different names and descriptions. This is equally true of the Kabbalists who viewed creation as a tree of life. It is understood to be one thing which is, from top to bottom, described as a gradation of being. Thus the Neshima corresponds with the spiritual aspect, the world of Atiloth, the Ruach with the rational aspect, the worlds of Bria and Yetzirah, and the nefesh with the biological and irrational aspect of being, the world of Asaya, thus constituting three modes of one thing. Neshamah equates with the spiritual, the soul and sulphur, Ruach with the rational, the spirit and mercury, and nephesh with the irrational, the body and salt. In the alchemical world, sulphur, mercury and salt are the components of the one thing. These are the components the alchemist works with, and in principle it is the same with the Kabbalah. There are many approaches, some are very materialistic and some are profoundly spiritual, some are focused upon chemistry, some on metals and some on plants and medicine. However, it is to the spagyric that I am drawn, especially to the spiritual parallels that can and may be made. So when we try to imagine or think about the soul, or the Holy Spirit, or the Numa, what comes to mind? A confusing medley of thought, I imagine. Fortunately, spagyric alchemy is a very good analogue of the spiritual life. It enables the student to examine the invisible processes that relate directly to the inner life. I mentioned earlier that spagyric alchemy is considered today to be herbal medicine produced by alchemical procedures involving the distillation, fermentation and the extraction of components from a plant. The distillation process is a method of separating the components of a liquid mixture by selective boiling and condensation. The soul, our philosophical sulphur, the essential oil, is extracted by using such a process. This means that the plant matter is exposed to boiling water. The steam carries the essential oil away from the matter into a condenser where the oil and water condense and run into a receiving vessel. Because oil and water do not mix, they settle with the water below and the oil above. Two types of distillation are used in this process. The first, submerged distillation consists of fire being applied to water in which the earth or plant matter is submerged and in which the soul or the air is dispersed. The heat of fire breaks the bonds that tie the soul to earth by turning water into steam, thus loosening the bonds of the soul, the air, thereby separating the soul from the body, air from earth, and transferring it to water. This is observed in the resultant oil and water which is the product of distillation. Setting up a distillation unit requires quiet, patience and concentration. It is the beginning of applied meditation. The second is steam distillation, which is suitable for temperature sensitive materials such as plants and is much favored by spagyric alchemists. It differs from the previous method in that the plant material is not submerged but is contained in a separate chamber above the water through which steam is passed, collecting the essential oil as it rises. The result is much the same as the previous method, but the process is more gentle and easier to control. In either case, through the physical process of distillation, the essential oil, otherwise known as the soul, is separated from the plant, otherwise known as the body. What does this mean? Who among us has ever seen a soul? Who among us has ever seen a spirit? Yet when we smell a flower or a plant, we touch its soul. Separate the oil, the soul from the plant, through distillation and we can observe the soul by analogy. A soul is the personal nature of a creature and the essential oil or personal nature of a plant. We can learn a lot about a plant and indeed about ourselves by exploring and meditating upon its essential oil. The essential oil is an analogue of the soul in man. Dispersed, it represents the first Adam, selfishly fulfilling the laws of nature. Distilled and gathered together, it is able to serve a purpose different from secular need. As such, it represents the second Adam, and may serve a higher purpose such as in healing. In Spagyric alchemy, the traditional method was first to grow the plant according to the season. Secondly, crop the plant, according to astrological rules. Thirdly, set up the distillation unit, meditatively. Fourthly, distill the oil from the plant, patiently. And lastly, explore its nature, thoughtfully. We should bear in mind that alchemy is first of all a spiritual act. It requires a prayerful and meditative mind in which every part of the process is to be understood as a unique analogue of the chemistry of consciousness. Thus growing, cropping, distilling, fermenting, incinerating and calcination are to be explored as analogues of who and what we are. And secondly, alchemy is a secular act. The soul of the plant, the essential oil, is dispersed through the plant, much like an animal soul is dispersed in humankind. The process of distillation is the means by which the soul, The essential oil, is gathered together in one place, making it visible, observable and accessible. After extracting the sole, the essential oil, the remaining mixture is subject to fermentation. There are different kinds of fermentation, however here we are focusing only on alcoholic fermentation. The mixture is transferred to a sufficiently large container. A stopper with an airlock is placed in the opening to exclude other organisms growing and to stabilise the internal pressure. Because mercury is the same throughout the plant kingdom and some plants contain very little sugar, some alchemists will add fermentable sugar, for example glucose and maltose. In the fermentation tank the four elements are present. The plant material, including added sugars, represent earth, water, is clearly present in the soup. Air is released in the form of gas, carbon dioxide and fire in the presence of heat during the fermentation process. In the midst of the four elements develops alcohol. This is our philosophical mercury, one of the three philosophical principles, also known as the Quinta Essentia, the fifth essence, the pure and concentrated essence of a substance. It is also known as the aqua vitae. The water of life. The analogue of the aqua vitae and the spirit in humankind is best described in the following way. The human spirit is the dynamic element of human consciousness. It is invisible, perceived only in our awareness of the aspirations, thoughts and feelings driving our behaviour. Essentially, the human spirit serves our instinctive nature, effecting change in all that is. The Spirit is no different from the Spirit in plants. They are all the same, just functioning in different modes. Nor is the Holy Spirit different from the Spirit in man, functioning in yet a higher mode. The Spirit in nature brings nature to completion. The Spirit in man brings to completion what is natural in man. The Holy Spirit brings to completion what takes place spiritually in man. One Spirit, different modes. This Spirit is the aqua vitae in alchemy, and it needs to be identified, separated and examined, enabling the alchemist to understand its nature and to compare it with the human spirit. The soul is the individual life essence that activates the body. The spirit links the soul and body to the cosmos through everything it does, thinks and feels. The fermentation process is understood to be complete when the plant material sinks to the bottom. The plant material can then be separated from the soup and dried, preferably in the sun or in a warm, dry place, and kept in a suitable container for later incineration and calcination, after which we can distill and concentrate the alcohol that has emerged in the fermentation process, cleansing it of excess water. To achieve a good separation of water and alcohol, Specific columns are used. As the escape of vapour is retarded in these columns, the vapour with a higher boiling point precipitates before reaching the condenser. Ethyl alcohol boils at 78 degrees centigrade, thus the temperature should not exceed 85 degrees. This process should be repeated several times to purify the alcohol from all water and other impurities. To obtain the salts of sulphur, otherwise known as the salt of the soul, we must evaporate the plant soup left from the distillation of mercury. In this way, we obtain a material that appears to be similar to honey, otherwise known as the fixed vegetable honey. The salts of sulphur, some of which are soluble in water and some are not, are obtained through the incineration and calcination of this honey. To achieve this, The honey is put into an evaporation chamber and slowly heated on a gas or indeed an electric hot plate. The honey gradually turns black and hardens. The temperature is then increased until the vegetable matter carbonizes. When hard, the material may be ground up in a mortar. In alchemical terms, calcination means making white, like chalk. A long calcination at relatively low temperatures 400 to 500 degrees centigrade is better than a brief and violent calcination. In this way the black material gradually turns into a greyish white ash. Calcining frequently takes several days to accomplish. When the calcining process is complete we are left with two salts of sulphur. A water soluble salt and an insoluble salt. These two must be separated using distilled water. The salts are washed in distilled water several times, each time fresh distilled water is used. The insoluble salt, caput mortum, is set aside and the distilled water filtrate is evaporated slowly until a white salt emerges. This is the salt of sulphur. The philosophical salt, the salt of the body, is obtained from the remaining solid plant residue that had previously been dried. This material is reduced to ash in a flame-proof dish and the ash is calcined, after which the water soluble salts are separated following the same process as the salt of sulphur. So now we have completed the first part of the work, the solve, by breaking down a plant into its three component parts, philosophical salt, philosophical mercury and philosophical sulphur. Before us, we have analogues of the human constitution. That is, the essential oil representing the soul, the alcohol representing the spirit, and water-soluble salt representing the body. Each of these three components have remarkable healing properties, essential to Spagyria. When recombined, according to different formula, they are very potent medicines. However, as I said at the beginning, this is a complex subject. We have looked at some of the basic principles and methods of spagyric alchemy and discussed the spiritual aspects of them. Much more could be said than we have time for here. So until the next time, and there will be a next time, thank you.